0: Europe Podcast, a European Liberal Forum project. I'm your host, Ricard Silvestre. Today I'll be speaking with Goran Narolic. Goran is a board member of the European Liberal Forum and we talk about liberalism in the Western Balkans. I'm here with Goran Narolic. Goran, thank you so much for coming to the podcast.
1: Thank you for inviting me to.
0: I was looking forward to have this conversation. Uh, let me just start by saying that Goran is one of the best things came out of Croatia after Tony Kukos, of course. <laughs> I had to say that. Uh, now going to uh, the more serious stuff, I asked Goran to talk to us a little bit about how liberalism it's thriving in the Western Balkans, if it is thriving. But before, let's talk a little bit about yourself. Uh, describe us hmm? the... What path you took to get to the point where you are right now?
1: Well, I started uh, as an intern at the Political Academy of HNS. HNS is my uh, political party. It's uh, translated as Croatian People's Party, Liberal Democrats, uh, mm. which is also the biggest liberal party in Croatia. And I started working on capacity building. So that's. Uh, Helping uh, our party members to become better politicians. Uh, then I I took over the international political foundation of the party, and started working on uh, regional capacity building projects. And this is how I got involved in ELF. Uh, the 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 foundation is called International Educational Center, and we became. ELF members, uh, I think, four or five years ago, um, but also uh, I'm also an active politician. I'm uh, currently a city councillor, uh, So, uh, and also I'm the secretary general of Lipsin which is a, a network of liberal political parties from uh, Southeast Europe. So I have a lot of political and other functions to juggle in my uh, day-to-day job.
0: Indeed, you do have a lot of hats, political hats that you can put on. But let's talk a little bit about capacity building even before we go to our main topic Mm -hmm. of conversation. Mm -hmm. I do know that Mm -hmm. you work a lot in this area. Can you share with our listeners a little bit what does it mean capacity building in the political sphere?
1: So, uh, as you know that uh, political parties in Europe uh, are in different levels of development. So there are political parties that are uh, highly professional, that have been in government for many years and that have developed their uh, internal structures and uh, capacities to a point that they are able to share this knowledge with uh, some of their sister parties in uh, In other countries in Europe. So what we do uh, is connect uh, different sister parties uh, and enable them to share their best practices, uh, also train others in in doing so. So we try to uh, create a a framework, a platform for uh, exchange of best practices in campaigning, in uh, political communication in uh, data analysis uh, and basically everything that is needed, uh, every political tool that is needed to win elections, which, which is what liberal parties and all parties strive to do in the end.
0: So in the Western Balkans right now, that it's in high demand, I imagine, and that is to make that connection between more experienced parties and sister parties that have been locally uh, starting to uh, have their activity going.
1: Yes, because we in Western Balkans, we have a uh, number of political parties that are uh, growing, that are beginning their political life, but also some uh, uh, quite old for the region uh, parties that uh, still need to develop their uh, their capacities. So, so we work on, for example, the uh, MP training, so gathering MPs for... Training with their counterparts from the VVD, but also we uh, work on internal structures uh, within the ELF Regional Academy for Liberalism, which is where we try to uh, find train uh, potential trainers and train them to 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 be to develop their own programs within the parties because we believe that. Training and capacity building is an important, actually essential ingredient in uh, having a professional and effective political party. It is so indeed, and
0: is- only that will be an entire podcast, but we go yep. a little bit out now into a wider lens. Uh, one of the first reasons that when we uh, talked about you coming to the podcast, you mentioned to me, mm-hmm. and I'm going to share this with our listeners. Of course, you being from Croatia, you have a particular interest in what is called the Western Balkans. Can you describe that a little better yeah. to our listeners then?
1: Oh, Western Balkans is a is an interesting term. It can mean a lot of things. In <laughs> one thing, it's it's a geography. So. It represents uh, all the ex-Yugoslavia countries except Slovenia. Uh, But it's also a geopolitical term because it it mostly describes uh, uh, countries that, well, with the exception of Slovenia, that were in Yugoslavia and that uh, were trying and most of them are still trying to uh, accede to the European Union. And there's also a cultural uh, uh, thing. It's uh, also a stereotype. So uh, especially we in Croatia are critical of the term Western Balkans because it uh, always brings up negative connotations with regards to uh, the state of democracy, uh, rule of law, uh, especially uh, corruption. So it tends to also... um, pollute the discussion when talking about the region. Because the region, it has common problems, but also countries in the region have their own specific issues that they need to resolve. Uh, But of course, without the uh, uh, negative cultural uh, uh, images that, 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 that are sometimes brought up by the term Balkans.
0: This is fascinating. Uh, so when you say that it pollutes the discussion, are you talking about just like between countries or you're talking more more like wider? It involves the European Union. Can you just can you describe that a little better?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it brings the uh, it, it doesn't uh, make the, the playing field equal for countries in the Western Balkans. Mm-hmm. Uh, with quotations, uh, uh, when they talk with their counterparts in Western Europe. Uh, th- this is one thing. And then there's also the other that uh, the, the term is divisive because some countries like Croatia doesn't recognize this term, even though it's also part of the official terminology of the EU. So if you ask any uh diplomat or uh, official from croatia when you talk to him about western balkans they will never say that croatia is part of that group so it's it doesn't uh, contribute to uh to any to to anything uh, in particular it, it sometimes becomes a problem when you uh, group all of the countries together even even though of course, it has some practical uh, advantages because, uh, of course, this all of these countries have their uh, similar similar problems and, uh, uh, of course, um, uh, bilateral uh, disputes that needs to be solved. So, of course, the the region as such exists, but sometimes it's it's uh, portrayed very badly uh, when when. Uh, we talk about uh, Balkans
0: all right, so I see that this is an important conversation that should happen not only at the eu level
1: but also at the
0: uh, at the Balkans. but for yeah. now, let's uh, then stick with this expression balkans i'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. drop the Western Balkans because of all that you just mentioned now
1: uh, it, I mean the term is officially accepted so in, even in in the in the in the region, it's it's now it, it's it, it doesn't have this negative feeling that it had before in the '90s. Okay. But uh, it, it's it's uh, always very important to to be aware of this aspect as well.
0: And you did a great job explaining it, and I had no idea. And now uh, with uh, this conversation. It, it, it got it got a little more uh, clear what you mean by you know having difficulty to to deal with this expression. But uh, the, again, let's uh, step back a little bit and let's talk about that region of Europe, and we know that there are several uh, countries that are asked to be part of the European Union, and that. Mm-hmm necessarily means that there has to be implementation of reforms in those candidate countries. And we know that Mm -hmm. European Union objectives are promote peace, stability, economic development, but at the same time there is what is called the stabilization and association process. And then it has to do Mm -hmm. with contractual relations, also financial assistance, political dialogue, exactly, like Mm -hmm. you just did a minute ago, trade relations. And regional cooperations in in your opinion how those process processes are going now in that part of
1: Europe well the stabilization accession process was a necessity when, when it was developed because especially countries uh, of ex Yugoslavia that were in war uh, had very uh, high uh, hurdles to to go through to become ready for the European Union. So they needed this process and and instruments, especially also uh, financial support from the EU to to implement this reform. I think that this process is still necessary and very much needed uh, in the region. Uh, And of course, uh, countries in, in the region are also uh, still willing to uh, implement this reform because EU is still uh, considered a role model in, in the region. Maybe not uh, with, uh, necessarily with the political elites uh, as much as the, the people themselves, which also provides the necessary pressure and motivation for the political elites to uh, implement reforms.
0: So, what do you meaning What do you meaning by that is that it more it's more in a system of bottom up kind of pressure than kind of uh, need for reforms, need for uh, in, including all those uh, challenges from the European Union, it comes more from the people. Uh,
1: well, of course, not on the details, but th- there are certain expectations from uh, the, the, uh, average citizen, uh, uh voter who, who also sees some, uh, for example, uh, functioning market economy, rule of law, uh, uh respect for democratic processes and human rights. These are all the things that are associated with EU membership and, uh, are expected, uh, are, are actually a wish or a desire of the people f- for their countries as well. So EU is 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 something to uh, look forward to, and this provides some sort of uh, motivation for the uh, elites as well for to to uh, push these reforms. But of course, this becomes more difficult when uh, when. Uh, from the EU side uh, it, it it doesn't appear that uh, doors are open for enlargement which was a case for s- uh, several years uh, before
0: mm-hmm. good because I, w- I was going to go with one example that i know very well and that is the portuguese example mm-hmm. and that especially the financial assistance does go a long way to help you know exactly the people to understand the benefits of uh, getting into the european union do you, have have you been feeling that not only in croatia but on on the countries around it
1: oh um, well yeah i think well i can speak about croatia and i know that uh, people have become accustomed to some large-scale projects that are financed by the EU, but wouldn't be possible without the assistance of the European Union and the structural funding. So I think that, that, that also plays a part in it. And I think that people are, are aware of, of this opportunity uh, uh, which opens up in, in the EU. And uh, the accession process.
0: Very good. You just mentioned a couple minutes ago about democratic principles, human rights and rule of law. This is what Mm -hmm. is called the stabilization and association agreements. How is that going then? You said that it is of course important for the people to feel those values emerge, but how do you Mm -hmm. see... Croatia It's a good example, unfortunately Mm -hmm. so, but countries around it, what's your take on that? I know you can talk you know, for the people in the countries around you, but give us your best opinion on that.
1: Well, I think that, well, countries, also Croatia in the region are facing some similar problems, which are, I think, well-known. It's problems with the rule of law and uh, corruption, which is, doesn't, uh, uh, it's not escaped by countries that have already entered the EU, like uh, Croatia or romania or bulgaria Uh, but what is troubling i think is uh, a backslide in democratic standards with some countries like uh, in serbia and uh, albania that have a well a genuine problem with the democratic processes Uh, with i don't know in serbia we have the governing party that that uh, wins uh, majority of votes, uh, absolute majority of votes, and can rule without any uh, restrictions. And where opposition parties, especially our uh, liberal sister parties, are being uh, are being uh, stifled and uh, their political activities are being uh, repressed. Uh, I don't know if you followed, but there's also. Uh, protests in Serbia, which uh, in some ways are also uh, similar to what happened in uh, North Macedonia, uh, mm-hmm. where where the uh, socialist and liberal uh, forces uh, managed to overthrow uh, uh, a, a well, I, I can't say a dictator, but <laughs> 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 uh, an authoritarian. Uh, uh, yeah, authoritarian uh, regime that uh, also uh, started to uh, uh, started to corrupt the the democratic process.
0: Then I have a question for you, maybe a complicated question for you to answer, and I'm going to mm-hmm. thank you for all the efforts that you, I'm sure, you're going to do to be as diplomatic as possible. But you just mentioned Serbia, and I'm going to touch about Serbia a little later on, but when you said well when you said well i'm i'm a little afraid that there'd be some black backsliding on democratic mm-hmm. principles because one of the things that is needed it's regional cooperation so how do you see the yeah. re- those regional corporations albania serbia croatia kosovo how how will that shape up in the near
1: future it, it, it depends uh, the regional cooperation is sometimes it's uh, it's it's not it's not really cooperation as much as competition, mm-hmm. and this is this always has two uh, elements. One is the external, like between two countries that have genuine disputes between on um, border issues and yes. a trade economy, but then there's always the internal one that seems to always prevail and uh, motivates brinkmanship uh, in in. Uh, regional relations it's that it simply works well to boost your political uh, ratings whenever you pick a fight with your neighbor mm-hmm. uh, this especially works well with the conservative party conservative parties that uh, but but it seems that it's it's prevalent in in uh, all countries that uh, sometimes you can't really. Distinguish it, whether it's a genuine dispute or it's just something that you do for uh, better ratings at yes. the next elections
0: yes, I understand that so again, difficult question, and especially with the you know, with the past in that area of uh, Europe, do you think nationalisms can uh, destroy the process that it's ongoing? or do you think right now the the tidal wave it's too big what's your opinion
1: well i mean uh, i think of this as two way uh, street so it, it uh, one you you see uh, the Europe well the at the core of it is the european integration process at one you see uh, that eu is still uh, held as a, a on high regard in the western balkans which uh, not only uh, motivates uh, countries to do internal reforms but also to work on their bilateral uh, relations on the other side uh, there's also sometimes a feeling uh, that that the eu uh, is settling for stability instead of uh, instead of promoting democ- democracy, which which is extremely disappointing for uh, liberal and opposition forces in countries uh, such as Serbia that uh, are still struggling to uh, to establish a functioning uh, democracy. So I think that uh, also this is one thing, and then the second that there is a big opposition in some countries in the EU to further enlargement. And without enlargement and without open-doors uh, policy, I think it will be uh, very difficult for the EU to, to maintain its role as honest broker in regional relationships. And this could mean that uh, countries uh, in the region look for other uh allies Mm -hmm. outside of eu and also to give them free reign to to uh to escalate their uh, disputes with their neighbors at least i think that uh, in terms of uh, violence and war i think that we have moved beyond this point but this doesn't mean that uh, uh relations couldn't get worse than they are now and uh backslide completely into uh, in into mutual uh, competition and uh, and disputes
0: now when you mention that uh, if the european union uh, continues with having difficulties to expand and to create, you know, mm-hmm. uh, more problems than they should. But when you mention mm-hmm. other allies, I was very interested in this because there is, of course, an historical relation between one of your neighbors to the west. And of course, I'm going yeah. kind to of talk about I'm talking about Russia and Serbia. Do you think that can also cause some uh, disruption to the system? What's your What's your opinion on that? It's,
1: it's difficult to say, but uh, it's sometimes it's more uh, a symbolic partnership than it's than it's a partnership that uh, deals with uh, re- real benefits mm-hmm. and taking in this regard that the eu can offer a, a, incomparable, uh, incomparably more than russia or china or turkey can in any, to any country in the region but, but as i said th- there's always uh, two target groups you, or two, two fa- uh, actors in the political arena you have to take and consider which one is the ruling political elites and then the second is uh, the people and what's good for the political elites is not necessarily also good for the people especially when those two are uh, uh, detached from each other.
0: Now let's zoom in a little more And we'll go back to Croatia, which I heard it's a beautiful country and I have to visit one of these days. But there was a development as we are recording this podcast not too long ago. And if you go back to 2015, the president, Kolinda gravar Kitarovic, she said that Croatia would introduce the euro in 2020. And as we record this podcast, there was a letter of intent sent and to the european union with the first formal step what's your take on yeah. that it's croatia ready to again to the Eurozone? i'm th- i'm asking you that because i want to go to croatia and i want to take my euros with me you see <laughs>
1: yeah i fully support the introduction of euro to croatia I think that croatia has been um, well has been preparing for this for a long time even before this now uh, official uh, letter of intent to enter the uh, ERM2 uh, mechanism, which is basically a two-year waiting room for entrance to the eurozone. Uh, because our, uh, our, our already our currency exchange is tied to the euro, so even if you pay here with uh, Kuna, it, it will be uh, basically always the same Uh, currency uh, rate as uh, euro Hmm. so so in the end it will make life uh, more easy for everybody who's coming uh, to our country but also to people uh, in the country when we finally introduce euro because creations have a lot of uh, savings in euro and uh, also uh, credits so, uh, basically, our economy is already uh, very much intertwined with uh, the, the fluctuation of Euro.
0: It's good to know that Croatia will not suffer a uh, tremendous shock when uh, changing to the Euro. But on the other hand, yeah. there is uh, a couple of things that are still uh, in the workings. One of them is, of course, the Schengen rule, um, and that is related to... Borders, migration, uh, you know, all the problems that we've been seeing in, in mm-hmm. Europe right now. What do you think will be the, the near future on that?
1: Well, uh, it, well, with regards to Schengen, I think that uh, we, we are obliged. Well, there are two things that we need to accomplish. One is uh, to fulfill all the technical Requirements to enter Schengen, and second is to uh, ensure that uh, we have political support for uh, entrance to the Schengen area. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, with re- with regards to the technical uh, requirements, I think that well, we had a difficult difficulties uh, fulfilling this because simply because of natural uh, context, because we have uh, 1,300. Kilometers of uh, border with non-EU members, mm-hmm. uh, very difficult terrain that is very difficult to uh, monitor and uh, police uh, properly. But after uh, so, after five six years of uh, working on this within uh, the EU, I think that Croatia is now finally ready to uh, to enter Schengen. On the political side, I think that uh, maybe we will have some difficulties with some countries that are, we're not very happy with uh, how Croatia handled the uh, migration crisis. Mm-hmm. And in some ways we have responded to this uh, worries and criticism by stepping up the border controls uh, uh, with uh, Bosnia. Uh, uh, especially with regards to policing uh, illegal uh, immigration. And second thing is our ongoing disputes with uh, Slovenia uh, regarding the sea border, uh, which could present a challenge also for Croatia to enter Schengen.
0: We're coming to the end of our conversation, Goran, but I'm not going to let you go before we talk a little bit about uh, the work you do with ELF with the European Liberal Forum and as I mentioned you are one of the board members and also the work done by ELF in that uh, part of Europe you want to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Uh, Yeah of course Uh, well we're uh, coming to the end of the first uh, part of the year but we have a busy autumn planned Uh, we will Uh, begin with the masterclass of the Regional Academy for Liberalism, where where we will gather all the top training uh, talents from the region. That's not only Southeast Europe, but also Central Europe. Uh, And then we also have two trainings planned. Uh, One is on data and voter psychology. Uh, And second on training on organizational leadership for uh, not only political parties, but also political foundations, and I'm hoping our uh, my fellow uh, board members, because this is something that's often uh, forgotten in trainings that we also need to train and prepare people that are running our organizations, so chairmen, so po- political parties, uh, directors, board members, uh, and and people that are doing the day-to-day work in uh, our organizations.
0: It was very good to have you on the podcast Uh, as an european even from afar of course i'm pulling for croatia i hope you guys keep doing the excellent job that you've been doing so far and of course solving all those problems that need to be solved we just mentioned a couple of them for example i'm thinking about the migration aspect and how croatia has been setting the example so Goran, from a portuguese to uh, the croatian to my croatian friend i hope everything keeps going as best as is possible to be and I'm gonna ask you to come back to the podcast soon to keep telling us some developments in your home country.
1: Thank you. It was my pleasure talking to you about this topic which is not something that that I do in a day-to-day life but uh, it's also something that I'm very keen on keeping an eye on the region and uh, the international developments uh, and European integration. So thank you for the opportunity.
0: Thank you, Garen, to be continued. I'm back and I would like to thank you for following our podcast either through our website, which is European Liberal Forum, and then go to the news section and then blog, You can follow us also on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And if you do like our podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating because in that way you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. This is all for now, but I will be back with more podcasts soon. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. The Liberal Europe podcast It's organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament, and the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any use that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum.